Welcome back to the podcast. You are listening to Stuff No One Told Us About Weight Loss. My name is Aaron and I'm here with Eloise and today we're going to be talking about why losing weight feels so hard in 2022. Here we are on the other side of the last two years of the pandemic, which kind of seems like it has flown by. Well, kind of on the other side, not completely. It's still here, but... It is still sort of in daily life, I guess, but it's not affecting us the way it did during the lockdowns. No, life is starting to get back to somewhat normality for a lot of us. But when it comes to losing weight, it can often be quite difficult, especially at the moment for a lot of people, because there's a lot of things that have come up over the last two years and even now that have had a bit of a delayed effect. Yeah. And that's what we're going to be sort of talking about in today's episode and sort of explaining why things are happening and what you can do about changing that. I think it will be helpful for some of you to realize that you're not alone in whatever your struggles are. And if weight loss is feeling difficult for you or if jumping on a new fitness journey or building healthy habits is feeling difficult, you're not alone. And perhaps us discussing this is going to help you realize what's going on at the moment for you because it's sometimes difficult to see what's going on when we're in the middle of it Mm -hmm. we just know it feels hard and we don't necessarily we can't necessarily identify why and so sometimes having someone say you know this is one reason why it might be feeling hard and you can go oh damn that is that is why this is feeling hard that's me and then yeah as Erin said we'll give you some strategies to work through some of these roadblocks I guess Yeah, and I think there's something key that you said there with if you're in the moment, it's very hard to know what to do about it or what's going on because all you feel is you're experiencing these things firsthand. But the more that you start to understand and and understand why things are happening, the easier it becomes for you to self-regulate and to work out what I need to do in the moment to then move forward beyond this situation or this feeling. Exactly. There's a lot of power in the knowledge of what's happening. Mm. I think sometimes when we don't know what's happening and we just sort of find ourselves in this overwhelm, this position where we don't know what's going on, we don't know where to even start, it can be really difficult for us to take control of that situation Mm. and to find solutions and to move forward. And so I think this will be really helpful for if anyone is currently feeling overwhelmed or like everything's working against them or just it just feels hard for no reason yeah if you're feeling a little bit stuck this will Mm. be a really really good episode and hopefully we'll shed some light onto why you might be feeling that way yes and we're going to cover five different reasons why it might be feeling hard of course there is so many more we're just bringing it down to the five that we believe are the most common They're five that we've ourselves dealt with. And so hopefully you resonate as well. So kicking things off with number one, higher stress and uncertainty. So as we said before, with the pandemic, that created a completely different environment that a lot of people are just not used to. Yes. And I think that sometimes now being, we're not in the the very middle of it. We're not in lockdowns. And I think a lot of us sit back and we think, well, things should be better now. Mm. I should have it all together now because I'm not in lockdown anymore or the the threat isn't as immediate anymore. But we forget that the pandemic is still impacting our daily life in many ways, if not just being the fact that our life was on hold for a few years. 
that's not something you just bounce back from straight away. Yeah. And I think it's unrealistic to expect that of yourself. It's also a combination of the little things as well. Like, you know, it's easy to point the finger at the pandemic and go, you know, it's because of this, but it's also the little things along the way that cause stress. You know, the things that you didn't really necessarily account for that were just brought to the surface because of the pandemic that um, a lot of people are still dealing with, you know, changing routines and, and different working conditions now. Those are all different things that no one ever saw coming. Mm. They've kind of been brought to the surface because the environment at large changed so much. Mm. And now we've got these little things that, that add up and we have to learn to become a bit resilient with all of that stuff. Yeah, and I think there's also a lot of different types of world events and different sources of stress in the 2022 landscape that perhaps weren't here in previous years. I mean, even I feel like every year social media gets more pervasive yeah. and things like that, different world issues that, you know, there's wars going on. Yeah. There's all sorts of things, minority groups being targeted. Like there's a lot of sources of stress in 2022. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that we as a collective can learn to deal with those stresses because we can't necessarily control them. Yeah, that's right, exactly. And I think the biggest thing for a lot of people is just that change in routine. Everyone's routine got thrown on its head and we had to quickly come up with, well, it was almost overnight, we had to quickly come up with a a new routine and just make it work. And initially that was a lot of a strain for people. And expecting yourself to go 180 degrees back to the routines that you had prior to that is almost an unrealistic expectation. Exactly. And a lot of people did try to do that. Mm. It's like when you've taken a break from exercise. Yeah. And this is relevant in my own life. Sometimes we think, well, this is what I used to be capable of. Therefore, I should just be able to come back and do that again. And the truth is, no, you have to start from the start. If you've taken a year, two years off and you've been thrown around a little bit (laughs) you're essentially starting from the beginning yes you might have some extra knowledge and stuff like that but treating yourself as a complete beginner is really helpful in these situations because it brings that expectation down and it allows you to build from the ground up rather than trying to like jump and skip all the steps that we really need to be successful that's right a hundred percent i was the exact same Eloise has told me many many times that you need to go back to the start and just take things slow because i was one of them i was in 2019 if you know a little bit about me i compete in strongman and in 2019 that was at my sort of pinnacle at that point i was the strongest that i've ever been i'd competed in a few competitions i was on a really good run there and then the pandemic came and it threw the whole routine completely out. And for the two years, 2020 and 2021, that training routine that I'd normally had got so interrupted that I kind of had to just do something completely different. And that was really hard for me to come to grips with this year, 2022. There's no lockdowns. I've got free reign now. I can go back to my training programs And yes, a lot of the numbers that I was hitting back then, I could no longer get to. I couldn't lift the same amount of weights. So I had to take a bit of a a backseat, a a step back and go, I need to start from scratch again because I've missed essentially two years and that's okay. It's going to mean 
I'll be further ahead in years to come if I do things correctly instead of trying to jump back, go from zero to 100 and risk getting an injury or even worse along the way. That's the key. The idea that in a few years I'll be better off. That's that long-term thinking Mm. that when we want to jump straight back into our routines and we want to skip the base building steps, we're essentially looking for that short-term gratification. We're looking for the short-term quick results I want to quickly bounce back to where I was. Yeah. And that's really short-sighted because what you do now is going to build the base for where you are in a few years' time. And if you do skip that base building, you'll find yourself injured. You'll find yourself burnt out. You'll find yourself struggling a lot more for no reason. <laughs> yeah. Because you simply just skipped the building blocks. You've just tried to jump to the top of the staircase instead of taking it one step at a time exactly that's right and the interesting thing to note is stress isn't necessarily a bad thing yes it's easy for us to jump in and blame stress yeah you know i have high stress levels that's why things are hard and yes it does contribute but as you just said it's not stress but it's how we deal with stress and essentially our coping mechanisms that we have in our little toolbox a lot of us didn't necessarily have the tools we needed to deal with the higher stress levels Mm. brought in by the pandemic that's right so we had everyday stress plus higher stress and many of us weren't even coping with that original everyday stress no that's right and then we've got thrown into a pandemic and we just don't have those tools yet yeah but the good thing about that is everyone has the capacity to create those tools for themselves coping with stress and dealing with stress is a skill like anything yeah and it can be built that's right and that's something that we spoke to our clients in that pandemic time and really were trying to show up as much as we could for our clients to make sure that they had strategies and tools there to deal with stress as much as they possibly could so that they could continue to implement actions daily so that they would still you know, get to their goals because that's at the end of the day that's the most important like everyone worldwide got affected by it so everyone's environment changed but again it's how you deal with the stress those outside influences we can't really do anything about we just have to be able to respond in an appropriate way yeah it's that idea of what you can control versus what you can't control we can't control the outside circumstances and what's happening in the world but we can control how we respond to that and how we show up in our everyday life. That's right. And like an easy way to look at this is, you know, imagine two people have the exact same circumstances. So say two people go into watch a movie. It's the same movie. They go into the same theater. They might even sit next to each other. One person comes out and goes, that movie was crap. And the other one goes, no, I really appreciated that movie. I like how they filmed it. The, the, The sets were really good. Like I took a lot away from that movie it's how you perceive it and how you look at it because obviously like the pandemic is a perfect example of that for some people it allowed them to create new routines that were more optimal than what they had before so i had a client who was working with us at the time and he actually said because he's now stuck at home more often because of the lockdowns he was spending more time than ever before with his kids 
And he was actually using it as a time to build and ingrain good habits, you know, getting up at the same time, going to bed at the same time, drinking enough water, getting walks in regularly, like just basic things. He was using that as, as a bit of a practice run of these new habits so that then when daily life kicked back, we go into 2022 and, and all the restrictions and stuff have been lifted, you can keep that base going. You can keep those routines that are working for you. Yeah. And obviously, if that wasn't you and you didn't make the most of the pandemic, this is not to make you feel bad about that or anything. It's more to illustrate that you have the power to do that now. That's right. It's not about what's happened or what did or didn't happen before. It's about now and how can you move forward and deal with the stresses in your everyday life and use whatever situation you're in to your advantage and try and make the most of that. Because the crazy thing is, often when we find ourselves in those stressful situations and we don't have the correct coping mechanisms or we, don't, we haven't built the coping mechanisms we need to deal with that, we find ourselves looking for ways to avoid the mm. stress and to escape it and to just get away from it in any way possible. And all that does is make the stress worse. Exactly. <laughs> When we think about avoiding stress, I, th- I think an easy way to understand how that works is by thinking about, say, you've got a super messy kitchen and you're just like putting it off and putting it off. All that happens is you get more and more stressed about the fact that your kitchen is messy mm-hmm. and it might have only taken you five minutes to clean it up. Yeah. The same goes for something like having a tough conversation with someone confronting your boss about something that you're not happy with or asking for a raise or you know whatever it is we tend to put those things off and all that does we do it in the name of avoiding stress but what we do is we create more stress because we've drawn it out yeah and we ruminate and we don't work towards solving it when usually the act of, of working through the stress is much less stressful yeah, no, that's that's really good because we, I mean, we've spoken about this in a previous episode before with the kitchen example. Yeah, uh, we would get to a point where dishes would pile up, and then it would be a big effort to clean all the dishes in one hit because we didn't have a dishwasher, so we had to wash them all by hand. And it used to be this thing that we just kept avoiding and going like, oh, we'll, we'll just clean it later. We'll clean it later, and then it becomes this really big problem that you then have to solve. Whereas now we've developed the habit of just managing that as you go. So as soon as you use something, clean it straight away. And miraculously, that problem never arises. Like we don't have that problem anymore. Mm. We have really good kitchen habits and that stress is completely gone because it's not building up into this big monster that you then have to tackle and fight and overcome. Mm. There's a productivity hack, I guess, called the two-minute rule and I can't remember who it's from. (laughs) But... The idea is that if something's going to take less than two minutes to do, you do it now. Mm. You don't put it on a list for later. You just do it now. Yeah. And I think that's a really good one. Like washing your dish after eating, it's going to take you less than two minutes. So do it now. Yeah. So one of the ways that a lot of us have learned to deal with stress is we've become comfortable with our maladaptive coping mechanisms. So these are things that aren't necessarily good for us. They're ways of avoiding, they're ways of just working around it. It's almost like if you picture dealing with stress and you've got this toolbox to deal with stress 
and you have the wrong tools in there. Yeah. <laughs> like you need a hammer and a wrench and you have a screwdriver and a nail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Another way to look at it is, is similar to, you know, that dishes example. So instead of learning ways to wash the dishes as you go, it would be, you know, completely throwing the dishes away and then having to go and buy new dishes every time you need to use them. That's a good one, yeah. It's not solving the problem, it's just... Avoiding it, using quick methods to get rid of the problem in in the immediate, but it's creating more problems long-term. Yeah. Because you have to keep going to the shops and buying dishes. You have to keep spending money on dishes. So that's time and money that's costing you in the long run to get rid of that stress in an immediate sense. Yeah when you could just wash the dish slightly more painful in the short term but long term it's going to serve you a lot better yeah it's that difference of thinking long term instead of short term gratification you know it's easier in in the moment to just throw the dish away but it's not going to serve you long term so on the other hand adaptive coping mechanisms so this is opposite are a skill that anyone can build and these are ways to deal with stress in a good way in a way that serves you yeah but like any skill they need to be intentionally built we're not just born knowing how to deal with this we have to teach ourselves Mm -hmm. how to do uh, to deal with these stresses and i think going through a pandemic it really just brought to light the fact that many of us don't currently have these adaptive coping mechanisms because like we weren't taught them Mm. you know and our parents weren't taught them and our grandparents weren't taught them and so you've got this issue where we just coast through and we don't really know how to deal with our emotions in these really productive ways and so we just get so used to coping by escape or coping by distraction using food using shopping, TV, social media, all of these things help us just distract ourselves from our problems. And unfortunately, they don't solve the problems. They just like push them away into the corner and it's like that cupboard that you've never cleaned and when you open the door, everything falls on you. Yeah, that's right. Because <laughs> you've just shoved it in at odd angles. <laughs> yeah. And I think most people focus on working out and eat, eating healthy and they think that's enough. But then when it feels really hard to stick to they're left wondering what's wrong with me why can't i stick to this and the reason is because they're putting too much of an emphasis on those things to carry them through and to deal with that stress instead of employing multiple different things that can carry the weight instead of just relying on this one hail mary approach and i actually think that the reason a lot of us struggle to stick to exercise and nutrition habits has a lot to do with how we deal with stress yeah And that's the problem. We try to slap a Band-Aid on with a diet or with a workout challenge. And the real problem is this stress coping mechanisms that we just don't have. And so as soon as life gets stressful, when we don't know how to cope with that stress, we immediately look for our comfort zone. Mm. And our comfort zone is often not exercising and eating whatever we feel like at the time eating by our emotions unfortunately that then becomes the diet cycle yeah because it's quick diet exercise lose some weight life gets stressful quit that diet stop exercising then feel like oh i've lost everything got to find a new diet 
And it's just this cycle that until we deal with the real problem, which is the way we deal with emotions and the stress levels, we'll never be able to get out of that cycle. Yeah. It's that classic example. Imagine trying to push a beach ball under the water in a pool. You know, you can only hold it down for so long before it comes back up to the surface and it just keeps going on and on and on. If we're just trying to like push that ball down all the time, those emotions, that stress is just going to build up over time and it's going to overpower us and then come back and then we're going to stop and we're going to start again. It can be helpful to think about your healthy lifestyle like a pyramid. So on the bottom of the pyramid, you've got your lifestyle factors like stress and sleep and the ability to cope with a whole range of emotions and stressful events, I guess. Then above that, you've got your nutrition. And then above nutrition, you've got your fitness. So the problem we've got is if your stress and your sleep or your coping mechanisms are out of whack or they're not working for you, there's no way that you're going to be able to stick to the helpful nutrition and fitness habits. And unfortunately, most people try, like we just discussed, they try to jump to the nutrition and the fitness and they completely forget that base level. Yeah. But the base level is what, what is holding your pyramid up. That's right. <laughs> you can't just jump up to the top and, and ignore it because it will come back to bite you. Yeah. Usually in the form of you not being able to stick to it. That's right. Yeah. It's not being able to sustain things for the long term. And that comes from like you just... You haven't got the foundations there. If you're trying to mm. jump to the next level of the pyramid, you're completely skipping over that mm. essential step. And I also want to mention that it's so common in the fitness industry to teach nutrition and fitness and completely jump over the lifestyle, stress, sleep, emotional coping. Yeah. So if this is the first you're sort of hearing of it, <laughs> that's very normal and it's not your fault because... We're all stuck in this being told by the fitness industry that it's enough to just follow a meal plan and work out and you'll get the results you want. And unfortunately, it's not. Yeah. If you think about it, it like there's a reason why. Like it's not it's not sexy to talk about, you know, how to deal with emotions yeah. and how to get better sleep and manage Although your stress. Hopefully one day it will be. <laughs> exactly. Hopefully it will if be. If we keep talking about it, maybe. But as soon as you start talking about like, oh, this new program designed to like shred fat off you and, you know, give you six pack abs, like and these that new gets superfoods. Super exciting. That's right. If it's if it's topics like that, it's super interesting to people and that's what sells. And and unfortunately it's not really helping people in the long term. It gives them short term instant gratification but at what cost exactly and that's a nice segue to problem number three or reason number three why why losing weight feels hard in 2022 is the ridiculous amounts of misinformation that is so readily accessible and to be honest it's really hard to fact check if you don't know what you're looking for yeah. Right? Like Aaron and myself, we've we've been in this industry for 10 plus years working as professionals in this industry. I've got a university degree in exercise science. I know what to look for, but I understand that most people don't because this isn't life for most people. That's right. Right? Most people are just going to read an article and assume that the expert is actually an expert. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately... The fitness industry is not very regulated. <laughs> yeah. The nutrition industry is not very regulated either. And so you've got such differing opinions and 
the internet, which means anyone can pop up information. Yeah. And it's really hard. Like, I understand how, how difficult it is to know who to listen to or to know what is true and what is not. And unfortunately, the majority of the information out there is not helpful for people mm. because it is pushing, like what we said, the eat this, not that, Cut do out this workout, this specific exercise will burn your belly fat. This diet will like melt all the fat away and you'll never yeah. have to worry about it again. This is the latest superfood that scientists agree will burn your fat. <laughs> yeah. And it sounds like it sounds exactly what you want to hear. Exactly. And, the people... and, and often they can back it up with research. Mm. And again, that brings me to the issue that not all research is created equal. That's right. And unfortunately, it's hard if you've not been taught how to read research. You can look at a research paper and think it says one thing when in fact it says something completely different. Like the scientist's conclusion was very different to what you've taken away from that. Things are really never black and white, especially in nutrition and fitness. And so if any, I mean, as a blanket statement, if anything's got a black and white opinion, it's probably false. <laughs> yeah. Because it's just never black and white. Yeah. The lens you have to look at it through is, is this something I can do for the long term? Because that's going to give you, that's going to cut out a lot of like 80% of the bullshit. Exactly. And give you a really crystal clear kind of guide, a compass, so to speak. Mm. If you can do a diet, a program for 20, 30 years and be fine with that, then that's probably something that might work for you. And the key I think here as well is being realistic. It's easy to look at something and go, well, yeah, I could do that. Yeah. But if we're really being realistic, like think about the way you've been eating. If that's a complete 180, it's probably not going to work. Yeah. Because we can't change overnight like that. It just doesn't happen. Yeah. It might happen for 1% of people. That's right. So it's got to be, you've got to think about it in terms of that. Like run that lens over everything. You know, is this something that I'm prepared to invest time into doing and learning and adapting that I can then do for the next, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30 years? Exactly. It's about looking at that long-term, the long-term implications of what you're doing because most diets and programs are really focused on that short-term solution, lose weight as quickly as possible, get results fast, just do this one little thing and your whole life will be solved. <laughs> yeah. All of that is just band-aid approaches, exactly like what we were just talking about before. They're jumping to the top of the pyramid and they're not addressing the bottom of the pyramid which is where most of us need to address we need to build that base yeah because we don't have the base coping mechanisms we don't have the base sleep habits and recovery habits and wait we don't know how to manage our mind in the way that we need to to build these healthy habits for long term and the good news is that nutrition in terms of what we need to do to maintain our weight and our health is not nearly as complicated as most people think. And it's not nearly as, it doesn't need to be as overwhelming as what a lot of us think. It does. Most of us just need really simple habits. That's right. And that's essentially what we teach our clients as well. And so some of the simple habits that are helpful for a long-term solution are the small things like drinking water, eating more fruits and vegetables, listening to your hunger cues, not eating to the point of feeling physically full, 
eating slowly, learning how to cope with emotions without using food. And if you can implement those simple habits, you're going to be on track towards your goals. That's very true. It's not a huge thing that you're going to be having to do. These are simple things that you can do, you know, even if you did them 80% of the time Mm. and you had one or two days where you just indulged a little bit, you would be pretty close to your goals. And it sounds simple and I think a lot of people will wave it off because it sounds too simple. But the fact is that it's the mind games that make it complicated. Yeah. It's the mind games that stop us from doing it, right? We sit there and we go, oh, that won't be enough. So therefore we do nothing. And the simple truth is if you did do all these simple tiny things and if you build them up slowly over time, you will see the results you want. Mm. But too many of us are jumping to what's the diet that will get me there the fastest? And we're just stuck in that cycle of repeating the things we've always done, getting the results we've always gotten. Yeah. And we keep gaining the weight back and we we can't stick to anything because we're not addressing what really needs to be addressed. And so number four in the reasons why weight loss feels hard in 2022 is unrealistic expectations and low self-compassion. And this is a big one. So in the past, you know, fitness has really been focused on hardcore discipline and unrealistic picture of what it means to be healthy. I mean, the the big glaring issue is that a healthy lifestyle looks like whatever that means for you. It's going to be different for everyone. Yeah. But unfortunately, the fitness industry has painted this picture of health equals hardcore gym lifting and running every day and meal prepping in these little containers and chicken and broccoli. Yeah. Protein shakes. It's not realistic for a lot of people. And I feel like people who may be just getting into, you know, changing their behaviors, eating better and, you know, starting exercise, have this expectation. They see other people doing this stuff and they're like, well, that's what I need to be doing. Mm. And then they wonder why it's really difficult for them to do. I also think that it's difficult because social media in particular makes it really easy for us to compare our real life to other people's highlight reel. Yeah. Or we compare our real life with all of our circumstances to the circumstances of the 20-year-old trainer whose life is health and fitness, and they're making it look really easy. Yeah. (laughs) You know? And it's like, that's not realistic for you. Yeah. And that's okay, because it's probably not even realistic for them. Coming from the place where I really was that person, it wasn't even realistic for me to maintain that yeah (laughs) it's just crazy and and that's right like even when i started getting into to weight training and and everything health and fitness back then it was really cool to you know be one of those people on a saturday night who would go to the gym you know at midnight and be working out and you know sacrifice a little bit of sleep because you're like you're chasing goals and it's just it's all about ego well unfortunately that's still an image that's portrayed today that that equals health And the truth is that those things don't equal health (laughs) Mm. because health and we've spoken about health, six areas of deep health and how health is really part of your entire life. It's not just the way you eat and exercise. Mental health comes into it, relationships, all sorts of different things come into how healthy you are, how you deal with emotions. That's part of how, how healthy you are. And those things aren't addressed by the fitness industry. And so... I think that we need to check back in with our expectations and look at what is a healthy lifestyle for me. 
not what's this trainer telling me that health is or hashtag healthy lifestyle yeah <laughs> you need to think about it in terms of what's achievable for you what what's the kind of lifestyle that you want to live it doesn't need to be you know this crazy extreme version of what you're seeing on social media especially with things like instagram with the highlight reel mm. you know a lot of people aren't showing what their bad days look like no you know you see two posts and that's like you know hey this is my best day you know if mm. that's all they're showing that's all you're seeing exactly and being both of us being on social media sharing our business on social media it's difficult to share the hard days because you feel like sometimes people don't want to see it yeah. so we're not putting other people down for sharing their highlight reel that's how social media works everyone is in that boat for sure but all we're trying to do is shine a light on the fact that it's easy to look at the highlight reel of other people and decide that that's what your healthy lifestyle should look like and the truth is that's probably not true mm. because your healthy lifestyle needs to be something that works for you and unfortunately when we have these high expectations it makes losing weight or living that healthy lifestyle that you want it makes it feel really hard and we tend to then put ourselves down for the fact that it feels hard yeah and that sort of brings us to the other point as well is having that self-compassion that ability to look at your circumstances and say like i'm doing quite well for my situation because focusing on how hard it feels all the time is just making it feel harder that's right exactly it's where, the same as with stress it, it's where focus cycle. goes energy flows so if mm. you're constantly focusing on it's really hard these other people have got these results that i'll never have or like i can't do this because of this and i can't do that and i'm doing this wrong and i'm doing this badly if, if that's what's running through your mind all the time like it's no wonder you're gonna feel like shit and it's gonna feel hard yeah right but the truth is it's it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be, like, because we can direct our thoughts and we can direct our energy and our focus towards what we can do. Yeah. Because there's always something you can do. It just might not be that ultra high, high expectation that the trainer on Instagram is, is meeting. Your expectation needs to be realistic for where you are right now. And that's going to change from day to day, from week to week, from year to year. Yeah. And that's another thing to remember. <laughs> my expectation of what I can do now is not my expectation of what I could do 10 years ago. Yeah. It changes. That's right. And self-compassion is the key. As we said in our episode last week and the episode the week before, I think we've been talking about self-compassion quite a lot lately mm. because it's so important because research repeatedly shows us that people who practice self-compassion are more successful at maintaining healthy behaviors. Putting yourself down does not lead to healthy behaviors. It just doesn't. It doesn't make us feel motivated to put ourselves down, even though we sort of sometimes think it does. Yeah. It really doesn't. And I also think that we can talk about self-compassion a lot, but it can be a bit of an airy-fairy term. Mm. So let's now talk about what self-compassion exactly is, give it some concrete definition. Yeah. There are essentially three parts to self-compassion. The first one is self-kindness. So this is when you treat yourself like a loving friend or a family member. Kind of just adding to what Eloise just said, the way in which you think about yourself and talk to yourself, imagine if you voice that to someone externally. So I know through speaking with clients, 
a lot of the things that they say to themselves, they wouldn't dare say that to anyone else. And you've got to think about it like you've got to treat you like someone who you love, like a, a close friend, a family member. And that's not to say like completely letting yourself off the hook and, and anything goes, but it's acknowledging the progress that you're making, even if it is small, tiny steps, you know, acknowledging that, yes, things feel really hard. A really easy way to look at it is like, you know, hey, imagine there's like another version of you sitting next to you and, and just put your arm around them and go like, hey, buddy, I know it feels like shit right now, but what can we do to get through this? Exactly right. It's not about avoiding things. It's about being really honest with yourself and being real but in a kind way. Mm. So, and I like that example of speaking, either speaking to yourself, picturing yourself next to you, next to you, or picturing how you would speak to someone else, right? If your friend was going through a tough time and things were feeling hard and they felt like they weren't doing anything right, if you came in and you were like, yeah, you suck, (laughs) would they turn around and be like, oh, now I feel motivated to go take action? Yeah. Probably not. They would be like, what the hell, man? Yeah. So remember that that's how you're responding as well, even if you're not realizing it. So self-kindness is the first part of self-compassion. And I think that's the part that most of us associate with self-compassion. But there are two more areas of self-compassion. The second one is common humanity. And this is a really important one. And it's realizing that everyone is going through something. You're not the only one who feels down and makes mistakes. It's actually part of the common human experience. A lot of us, I think, tend to sit there and think, well, it feels hard for me. Yeah. And everyone else makes it look easy. And it's only me who's struggling with this. And that is not true at all. Everyone is struggling. That's right. Some people just are not showing you that they're struggling. That doesn't mean they're not. So acknowledging this common humanity can help you feel less alone and it makes you more likely to actively look for solutions or ways forward. We need to step out of that victim mentality and we need to take control and say, look, I'm human. It's normal that I'm going through this. Now let's move forward. That's right. That is part of self-compassion and it's a part no one talks about. Yeah. And I think having that mindset is what really separates you from someone who will see the light at the end of the tunnel and really turn things around versus someone who's just going to keep going in that vicious cycle of, you know, they try something short term, they go back to the start, they feel like crap. They try something Mm. short term, they go back to the start, feel like crap. Just realizing that there are other people going through it is a huge, huge step. It's a huge help. The last one is mindfulness. This is about being conscious, intentional and aware of your physical, mental and emotional state really being super aware of what's going on, recognizing when emotions are coming up for you, and then being aware of what are the strategies that I have in place, the tools I have available to deal with this. Mm, I think mindfulness is a really great example of the opposite of avoidance. Yeah. And many of us, when we are putting ourselves down, we tend to avoid the reality of our life and the reality of, of certain situations. Yeah. We're even avoiding the reality of the fact that there's many good things about us that we're not, not acknowledging. Yeah. And so mindfulness brings us back to the present state. We remove all judgment and we're simply just observing what's happening in the moment and acknowledging where we are and what is here right now. Yeah. Right? Because too many of us live in either the past or the future. And when we're doing that, it's really hard to move forward. 
It's like that idea that people who are stuck in the past are struggling with depression, people who are stuck in the future are struggling with anxiety. Mm. The way that you over start to overcome that, obviously not you don't fix mental health <laughs> with one yeah. thing, but a tool to help is mindfulness and bringing yourself to the present moment. Mm. Because the present moment just is. Yeah. You can't argue it. You can't avoid it. It just is. That's right. And that, that's that's exactly right. And I, I feel like that's super important with emotions, especially those emotions that are really hard, that yes. are typically the ones you try and avoid. Because when you're super, super aware of what's going on, you can then make a decision that is in your best interest. So yes, it's not, un, it's not comfortable to sit there with a negative emotion. You know, you might be feeling sad, angry, depressed, but you also get to choose what you do in response to that. Like those emotions will pass with time and being mindful and being aware is the key to making the decisions that ultimately move you towards or away from your goals. It's like what we were saying before where with the stress where when you try to avoid the stressful situation, you make it worse. Mm. Mindfulness is the answer to that because we avoid the stressful situation by using all of these coping things, by eating, by scrolling social media, whatever it is. And we make it worse in the long run because we just push that emotion down and we don't deal with it. And we certainly don't deal with it in healthy, productive ways. Yeah. And mindfulness is bringing yourself back and it's often when we're mindful of whatever emotion and we're experiencing our emotion, it's nowhere near as bad as what we thought it was. Hmm. It's nowhere near as bad as, as how it feels when we avoid it. Yeah. And that's, the, that's really the crazy part about it. That's right. So self-compassion is shown to improve resiliency, reduce anxiety and depression, feel more secure in relationships, and improve your overall mental health and well-being. So it's super important. And as I always said before, like this is a part of weight loss, fitness, everything that's really not talked about enough. Yeah, or it's talked about in passing, like have self-compassion, yeah. see ya. <laughs> yeah, or like little bouts, Figure it of, out yourself. bouts of motivation, you know, like watch this video and then go and do your workout. Like, yeah, that's... or like self-love, like say something nice to yourself today. Yeah. And there's a lot more to it. I, I know for myself, I didn't feel like it was something very accessible to me when it was described in these surface level ways. Mm. And it's only since really diving deeper and learning actual things that I can do you know, and learning that there's three paths to self-compassion. It's not just say, saying, oh, you look great today yeah. in the mirror. There's like so much more to it. It is accessible to all of us, but we just need to spend that time to figure out how to make it work for us. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's practice. You know, it's a skill that we have to learn, but it's a skill that's going to benefit us long term. It's going to make us make sure that we feel good for the rest of our lives and that we can understand how to control those times where we do feel sad angry depressed lonely all those negative emotions we know how to work through it we can Mm -hmm. be our own coach so to speak and coach ourselves through it rather than just run to you know a maladaptive coping strategy you know an avoidance technique yeah because the truth is at the end of the day weight loss is going to feel a lot harder if you're not practicing self-compassion it's almost like you've got your own little coach in your head yeah and so things start to feel like you can actually do them you can achieve them you can get through this when you practice self-compassion and that's 
really required, I, I think. Yeah. So moving on to number five, the all or nothing thinking. And if there's one word that I think that can sum this up in terms of a specific example for weight loss, it's challenge. I'm going to do a challenge because that is literally all or nothing. Well, yeah, it's going from doing nothing to doing everything overnight. Yeah, because like typically with most challenges, they throw everything all at you on day one and then you're expected to do that for the next, you know, four, six, eight, whatever, how long it is, weeks to get to a end goal. Yeah, and and that's the key there. There's an end date. Yeah. If there's an end date, it means it's not long term. Yeah. And look, it's okay to do challenges sometimes, but the problem lies in people believing this is a long-term solution Mm. if you understand that it's a short-term thing like by all means go do it like they can be fun that's right they're not a long-term solution they're like a band-aid yeah like if you've done challenge after challenge after challenge and you've lost weight gained it back lost weight gained it back and you feel a bit miserable from it like it's not working there's also times where, as I always said before, like challenges can be fun. Like, you know, for yeah. the next six weeks, we're going to try and do this. Like They have their place. Exactly. But their place is not in long-term weight loss. <laughs> well, that's right. And it's, it's that whole thing of like trying to learn to be able to do this for the long term. And also, if you have an issue with, say, emotional eating, or you have an issue with learning how to have control over food and your eating habits... Challenges are probably the worst thing you could do because they're not addressing that problem at all. Yeah. They're essentially making it worse. So the other thing is know what your goal is. That's right. Right? If your goal is just to like feel a little bit motivated and have a bit of fun, go for it. But if your goal is to change your life and change your eating habits, that you're not going to find it there. Yeah. And the problem is the reason why that isn't going to work is because a lot of people approach them as a like a Hail Mary approach. You know, this is the thing that's going to save me. This is the thing that's going to make me feel happy. Once I get to my goal, like my life will be amazing. I'll just suddenly feel fantastic every single day. And it's just a false hope that we build up in our minds. And then when we get there, you know, we might feel a little bit better. We've lost some weight. And then nine times out of 10, what do most people do? They go back to what they used to do before the challenge. They might implement one or two things Mm -hmm. from the challenge and then the cycle starts again and then they're looking for another one. Or another thing that happens, if people don't necessarily go back to what they were doing, they fight like hell to keep implementing the stuff from the challenge. Yeah. And they have this anxiety of like, oh my God, I can't stop doing this because I'll gain weight or like, how do I keep doing this? And it becomes... Like you've just created more problems for yourself because now you're living in a state of fear of gaining weight back. Yeah. It stems from a lot of the fitness industry's thinking, which is very logical, you know, and it makes sense. Like if you think about it logically, if you do all of these things every single day, you'll likely get to the goal. And most people can see that on paper. But the problem is humans are not a logical system. We're a complex system. There's a yeah, lot of we things. Have emotions. There's emotions, there's stresses, there's a lot of different things that happen with human body and the mind that these things don't take into consideration. Exactly. And I think one of the things to, to note here is that health is not a thing that you do or you don't have. It's kind of like a spectrum. It's something that we're constantly working on, on moving in the direction we want it to go. So if you think about like a scale of, of one to 10, we're not either one or 10. 
You know, we're constantly moving towards a 10 in some slight way. Mm, and sometimes we'll move back that's towards right. a 1 and then other times we'll move back again. And it is a spectrum that we're constantly navigating our whole life. And weight is the same. Yeah. And I saw a reel the other day from Dr. Julie on Instagram. And she was talking about people putting themselves in a box in regards to their mental health where they're either well or they're unwell. And when you put yourself in a box of being either well or unwell, it makes it really difficult to move to the other box. So someone who classifies themselves as being well will struggle to ask for help when they're feeling unwell because they feel like that then puts themselves in the other box. Mm. And the opposite way, people who are in the box of unwell feel like it's difficult to get help and move towards the well box because they're putting themselves in these boxes it makes it hard to change the same thing happens with our weight Mm -hmm. because most of us put ourselves in this box of having a weight problem or not yeah and we think that well i have a weight problem now when i get to this arbitrary date and i've lost the weight i won't have a weight problem anymore life will be fine Mm. and the truth is that that doesn't happen every single person is constantly moving on this spectrum of managing our weight managing our eating habits managing our exercise managing all sorts of healthy lifestyle habits we're constantly moving back and forth we're never here or there and i think that's something really important to note on the topic of all or nothing thinking because when we're thinking about all or nothing we think we're either doing badly or we're doing well yeah we're either eating super healthy or we're eating super unhealthy. Yeah. When the truth is, there's no such thing. That's right. And that's something that I hear quite a lot. People blow things out of proportion quite a lot. Yeah. They might I've eat... been eating so bad lately. Yeah. And it's like, no, you've just been eating food. That's right. Like, you might have had takeaway two nights a week and people will come and say, you know, oh, I'm eating so shit at the moment. Like, I'm just yeah. really right off track. And it's like, you had two meals where you ate off... Something well, and this comes back would. to the or like the expectations, right? Yeah. There's no such thing as good and bad food, and yet we all have this expectation of like when we're living our best healthy life, we only eat fruits and vegetables, mm. and that's not real life, people. Yeah, logically, that sounds true. You know, if I just eat these good foods, I'll I'll feel awesome, and you probably will, but that's not real life. But you also probably won't feel awesome because you'll be spending half your life trying to avoid the other foods. Yeah. Because you're not allowed to eat them. Yeah. Right? That's not what we're going for here. (laughs) That is that all or nothing thinking. So basically with all or nothing thinking, like a big problem of this is that on-off mentality, thinking of our health and fitness like an on-off switch. And we think we're either doing really well or we're doing really bad. This is what makes us focus on all of the things that we're doing wrong or the things that we should be doing or the things that we're not doing the way we should be doing. Mm. And our focus goes there. And as we said before, where our focus goes, energy flows. It's really hard to make healthy choices for yourself when you're constantly putting yourself down about all the things that you're not doing or the things that you're doing badly. So instead, what we want to do is start to focus and actively celebrate the moments where you're making positive or future-focused choices for yourself. Because what this does is this signals to your brain, 
hey, this feels good. We need to do more of these good things. We need to do yeah. more of these things that help us move forward, which then makes you more likely to repeat the behavior, right? Whereas in the same way, if we're focusing on all the things we're not doing well, your brain's going, well, we need to stop doing this because we feel like crap. That's that on-off. Yeah. And so all or nothing thinking makes weight loss feel really difficult, right? And so constantly be checking in on yourself. Is this black and white thinking? Is this all or nothing thinking? How can I bring myself back to the reality of the situation? How can I look at what I am doing well? How can I remember we're on a spectrum, not an on and off thing? Yeah. And so like one of the keys that we give our clients is thinking about it in terms of a dial. So turning it down when it calls for it or turning it up when it calls for it instead of just turning the switch on or off. So, you know, for example, like a walking habit, right? You might be going awesome and you're doing an hour walk every single day and then all of a sudden something comes up and that's not realistic anymore. You might need to turn that dial right down. You might need to just stick to 10 minutes a day if that's all you can do or five minutes a day, you know, that's fine. We just don't turn the dial off. Mm. That's how we maintain that momentum. Yeah. All right. So now we're going to talk about how to combat all of those challenges that we've just spoken about. So if weight loss is feeling hard for you at the moment, we're now going to address how you can make it feel a little bit less hard, how you can figure out how to make things start working for you again. Mm. And we're going to address strategies to work through all of the five things we've just discussed yeah one of the first things right off the bat if you haven't listened to our episode we did last week talking about the lessons from people who have lost weight and kept it off definitely definitely check that one out especially if you are wanting to start thinking about this more in a long-term approach there's some strategies in that episode at the end i think there was three or four that we go through which are really really good exercises to do so that would be one of the first things to do next we spoke about how our maladaptive coping mechanisms those things that we use to avoid our problems they're just making our stress worse so what we want to do is start learning adaptive coping mechanisms so ways of coping with stress and coping with negative emotions that help us move forward and so here are a few examples of those the first one is practicing self-compassion, which we spoke about at length in this episode. So accepting reality as it is, but being kind and encouraging to move yourself towards a solution. So that would be the first step. Yeah. And we want to find those healthier coping mechanisms. So things like using exercise as a tool to reduce stress and to improve your focus, spending time with friends and family, practicing meditation and breathing exercises or journaling there's all sorts of different things and you've got to find what works for you it might be one thing it might be a number of things it might be something that's not on that list that we just said but we want to find ways of coping with our emotions that help us move forward and help us process them in healthy ways rather than just distracting and avoiding them yeah and just on that the breathing one is a really really powerful one especially in the moment there's a lot of resources that I've read and practiced myself that really 
influence your physiology in a really quick way just by the way you're breathing so if you're in a really stressful situation the way in which you slow your breathing down will have a massive impact on how you feel in the moment so that's a really key one there a lot of people tend to just brush over it and go you know breathing that's what what is that just something woo woo but it's a really powerful and proven strategy that can have a really really big effect we might do a specific episode on some breathing techniques because you can use it both ways you can use it to psych yourself up and you can also use it to calm yourself down the next one is focusing on long-term benefits and behaviors rather than short-term gratification so one of the themes obviously from today's episode was that long-term thinking instead of just quick fix short-term thinking you know we want to think like how is this going to impact me in 10 15 20 years am i going to be able to keep doing this or is it just focusing on the next four weeks and then after that i don't know what i'm going to do yeah because the truth is when we focus on those short-term gratifications it makes weight loss feel 10 times harder it feels exciting in the moment but unfortunately it's just making it harder when we think about long-term results and we think about our what we're doing in a long-term capacity it takes the pressure off it makes it feel less challenging because you've got time yeah we're not in a rush here yeah the next one is being proactive and curious about finding solutions or ways to move in the direction you want to go seek help when you need it so that's a classic case of as Eloise mentioned before there's an example from dr julie being in that box you know if you're putting yourself in the the well box there might be some things that you need help with and understanding that and looking for ways to get help is a really crucial part and it's, it's mm-hmm. going to mean Yes, you might have to be vulnerable. You might have to do things that are outside your comfort zone, but that's going to mean you can move forward. You can finally solve those problems. Yeah. A way to be curious and find solutions is to ask better questions. And this is something that we've, again, discussed in previous episodes. One of the ways to do this is to start questioning your beliefs and questioning the rules that you believe to be true. Mm. And this is a big one when it comes to combating a lot of the things we spoke about today because often we sit there and when we're not practicing self-compassion we're putting ourselves down we're just thinking that you know i'm not doing anything right i've tried everything like when we're thinking about misinformation we think well it's just a fact that i can't eat carbs i'll gain weight if i eat bread my metabolism's slow that's why i'm struggling here that's something i can't control and we get into these belief patterns that aren't serving us and they're not helping us because it's not a fact that you can't eat carbs it's not a fact that carbs make you gain weight in fact it is a fact that they don't because there's actual science to back that fact up yeah (laughs) so when we're questioning we want to say things like is it really true that i'm not doing anything right what am i doing right is it really true that i've tried everything what is there perhaps that i haven't tried yet is it really true that i can't eat carbs right what science could be there to actually prove me wrong that's right i i mean i love this one so much questioning your beliefs and the way i've started doing this for myself is imagine in your own mind there's two lawyers there's the prosecutor and the defender each one have to try and dig into the facts they have to try and prove their point of view by looking at the facts and so if you are thinking one way try to prove yourself wrong It's so easy to take someone's opinion, for example, who says, need to cut out carbs because I did that and I lost weight. But is that an actual fact? 
challenge yourself to try and prove that wrong in your own mind Mm. and come up with a decision that you feel comfortable with. Yeah. And I I love the question, what else might be true here? Mm. Because that really gets you to think about like, what else could be the truth? If this wasn't the truth, what could be the truth? Yeah. Actually, I was speaking to a client the other day and and we were talking about eating slowly and drinking water throughout your meal to eat slowly. Mm. And she mentioned, you know, I heard this thing about how drinking water with your meal disrupts digestion. So I really don't want to do that. And I just sat back for a moment and I I thought, well, I haven't heard that one before. (laughs) That's an interesting one, you know, and I actually didn't know. I didn't know the science behind it. So I told her, look, I'll go off and I'll find the answer for you. (laughs) And when I did the research, drinking water does not disrupt your digestion. And when I was speaking to her about it and I said, look, here's all the research I found. It doesn't seem to be an issue. And she was sort of like, oh, that's fine. Like, I actually don't know where I heard that. Mm. Right. It's just something she heard one time many years ago that she just then carried with her. Yeah. And all of us do this, right? Not just her, not just that client. Everyone does this. We hear something, whether we've read it or whether someone said it to us, whether we saw it on TV, whatever. And for some reason, it sticks in our mind and we just form this belief around, oh, that's a rule. Yeah. I can't do that anymore or I should do this or I shouldn't do this. And we never stop to question it. That's right. The only, the only way we hold on to beliefs is if we convince ourselves that we have evidence that they're true well yeah and i mean a lot of the time that's not happening consciously (laughs) yeah because we don't actually have any evidence yeah the next point that we wanted to get to is make sure you always question nutrition advice yeah no matter how true it sounds because it always sounds true in the moment people can be very convincing especially when they're saying it worked for them but often the majority of fitness and nutrition information is not based on current scientific evidence. Yeah. Also just be critical, like be curious because a lot of the time when people say, Oh, this thing worked for me. They're talking about it worked for them in the short term. Mm. Not I did this and I've kept weight off for decades, but also if they have kept the weight off, you've also got to remember that something that worked for them doesn't mean it's going to work for you. That's right. Do you want to eat chicken and broccoli for the rest of your life just because it worked for them? Yeah. And also question, is it necessary? Could there be another way that would work better, right? Because yes, eating nothing but chicken and broccoli is going to help you lose weight. But is that necessary? Could I be doing this in a way that's more enjoyable? Is there a better way that might work for me? The answer is most definitely yes. (laughs) That's right. You've got to look at the... What's the other costs that you're not considering? You know, if you're, you're trying to cut out all of this other stuff, like what are the things that are potentially going to come up later on that you haven't considered? I mean, just because it worked doesn't mean it's the best way to do it. Yeah. The next one is practicing self-compassion through journaling and self-talk. So compassion isn't just saying random positive things to yourself. It's a process of working through thoughts. So identifying what are the thoughts I'm having given the circumstances and given the situation and it how is that making me feel and what actions is that going to lead me to take exactly a real concrete thing that you can start doing is if you do have a negative thought about yourself don't just randomly switch that to a positive thought because often we won't believe that Mm. we need to meet ourselves where we are right now 
And the way we do that is by starting with a neutral thought so that we reduce the emotional charge. And this is massive, especially in terms of body image, for example. If you find yourself looking in the mirror and thinking, I hate the way I look, you don't necessarily need to jump to, I love the way I look today, because you won't believe that. But what you can believe is, this is how I look today. That's re reducing, it's taking the emotion out of it and going like, this is just how I am today. Mm. This yeah. is what I see today. It's That's an objective just, view. Exactly. And that can be really, really powerful. Another example is like, when we think, I should know better by now. Why can't I get this right? We can change that to something like, I'm committed to figuring this out for myself. That new thought helps us look for solutions and it helps us rem remember that we're just figuring this out. We don't have to have our life shit together all the time. Yeah. All you have to do is be willing to work through it. And working towards this kind of acceptance is the first step towards that practicing self-compassion. And it can be much more, like it's much more motivating to look in the mirror and be like, this is how I am today. Let's, let's go out and do some positive stuff. <laughs> yeah. Versus like, man, I hate the way I look. That's setting you up for a shit day. Yeah. When you focus on that negative talk, that's when you tend to go towards those maladaptive coping strategies. Yeah, to escape your shitty thoughts. Yeah. Of course, if, we, if you're thinking about that all the time, of course you're going to want to escape. Think about it like if you're a little kid and there was a bully in the, in the schoolyard, like if they're going to actively bully you, you want to try and run away. Exactly. Most of the time. Sometimes you stand and fight, but you know, most of the time you're trying to run away. And what does that look like? when you're an adult that you run away to those coping strategies yeah i'll just start drinking excessively and i'll forget all about how i was feeling 10 minutes ago yeah or eat, eat that muffin and i'll feel better yeah and it just doesn't work like that so again another way to practice self-compassion is through mindfulness and one way to practice mindfulness is through slowly eating right eating slowly is a big thing that we teach all of our clients because it's really powerful mm. in helping us eat less, but in also helping us be mindful and being kind to ourselves. Yeah. Because when we're rushing through meals, we're often just shoveling food in and we're not actually tasting the food. We're not actually stopping to think, how does my body feel right now? Do I need any more? Yeah. And other ways to practice mindfulness are things like breathing exercises and guided meditations. Yeah, both really powerful. Yeah, and all are going to help us focus on that present moment and help our behaviors start to feel simpler and more accessible, which is what we want. Yeah. Next one you want to do is choose a tiny action and start today. So if nothing else, you can choose one really small action and start doing that right away. So losing weight isn't about getting it all right today. It's about building habits over time. And that's something that we teach and we stress. This is why we teach things the way we do. Small actions repeated often build consistency and they build over time. So it's, it's that perfect analogy of, you know, building a brick wall starts with laying one brick. You don't just magically throw all the bricks together and the wall's up. It has to be brick by brick. Mm. You know, it's climbing a staircase is exactly the same thing. We love to stand at the bottom and look at the top and go like, oh, I'll try and just jump to the top but it doesn't work like that. We have to take one step at a time and we'll get there. With weight loss, it's exactly the same. So, you know, some examples here, actions could be like planning a home-cooked meal to make tonight or tomorrow night. It's one less stress that you're gonna have to worry about later on. 
is taking a proactive approach instead of a reactive one. Mm-hmm. You know, going for a 10-minute walk around the block, putting a 10-minute yoga class on YouTube, there's heaps of them, thousands yeah. of them. Yeah. You know, everyone has 10 minutes. You could quite easily do that, and it will make you feel so much better. You know, drinking a big glass of water, water's a huge one. We get our clients really focusing on that quite a bit because it's something that's so overlooked but it makes you feel so much better throughout the day if you're constantly hydrated. As soon as we get dehydrated, our brain physically doesn't function properly. Another one is eating your next meal slowly and mindfully, as we mentioned just before, like slowing things down. It's not a race. We don't need to rush. And just on that, we're talking about one tiny action you can do today. So note that we're not saying go out and eat slowly all the time now for the rest of your life. Yeah. It's eat your next meal slowly. That's all you have to think about. Yeah. Just treat it like an experiment. Making a cup of tea when you feel like you need a break from work instead of grabbing a handful of lollies. Most of the time, like that's a really good one. A reactive approach would be to grab the lollies because we feel like we need, our brain needs a a hit of dopamine from the sugar in the lollies. But Mm -hmm. in actual fact, we can get that same effect from doing something completely different. Often just from stepping away from the desk, often it's the act of going to grab the lollies or looking away from the screen or moving away from the desk, that's what's actually giving you the break, Mm. not the eating of the lollies. So the act of doing something like making a cup of tea is really powerful because it makes you get up from your desk, walk over to where you're gonna make the tea, put the kettle on, put the tea bag in or whatever, Mm. and then drink the tea slowly because it's boiling, you can't drink it fast. So that is a really good one to do because it really gives you that break that you need. Yeah. So those are some ideas there that you can do. Another one, and then this is something that we've built into our programs, is recognizing the small wins. And an easy way to do that is start keeping a small wins journal. So gathering evidence that you are making progress. And this is super important because your identity, you believe you are who you say you are through the evidence that you collect every single day. And so many of us are focused on the things we're doing wrong or the things we're not doing. And so we're completely ignoring all the evidence of the good things we do. Yeah. It comes back to that all or nothing. We think we're either doing well or we're doing terribly. So yeah, I mean, this process is is just keep it really simple. Each day, just write down the small wins or the small things that went well. You know, you don't have to do a full list. It could be, you know, one or two things. Some examples could be you got up out of bed on the first alarm instead of hitting snooze. You decided to park in the back car park at the shops and you had to walk a little bit extra. Did some deep breathing at my desk when my boss piled extra work on me last minute. Yeah, another example is I stopped myself and thought about whether I was physically hungry before eating breakfast this morning, right? Something like just stopping yourself and asking if you're physically hungry, regardless of whether you eat or not. That is a massive win because often we never stop to think, am I physically hungry? We just shove it in our mouth. Yeah. (laughs) And... Then again, another example is something like eating, I ate my dinner slowly. Note how all of these small wins that we just mentioned are really small. They're things that you're probably already doing some of, or you're doing similar things and you're completely ignoring them and you're not celebrating them the way they deserve to be celebrated. And again, it comes back to that idea that we need to train our brain to want to do more of these things. Mm. And if you're constantly focusing on the things you're doing badly, your brain is going to try to avoid behavior change. Yeah. We want to encourage it to change by celebrating the changes we make. That's right. And it starts with these small things. And these small things 
add up over time in ways that you have no idea yet. Yeah, and that's exactly right. In the beginning, it feels almost pointless. You've got to look at it like exactly that analogy of, of building a brick wall. Each brick is evidence that you are becoming the new person. So the more evidence that you start to collect that proves that you're making progress, that you're making small wins, that you're trustworthy, like if you you keep these small little tiny promises to yourself, like if you say you're going to get up at a certain time and then you do that, celebrate that because you've just you've given yourself evidence that you are who you say you are. And that's huge because if you can believe you are becoming someone new, the habits and the behaviors and the actions that you take as a result of that will all contribute to that new identity. And they'll all start to feel a little bit easier mm. because when we're acting in accordance to our identity and who we believe we are, things feel easy and they feel natural. When we're working against who we believe we are, it feels hard. Yeah. Right? And so if weight loss feels hard for you at the moment, Think about these things that we've spoken about today. They seem simple, but they really are the difference between it feeling hard and it feeling accessible and doable. And that's what we want because it is accessible and it is doable. It just takes a little bit of intention and a little bit of conscious action Mm. to make that switch in your mind. That's right. So that's it for today's episode, guys. We I know this is a much longer episode than we normally have done. But we Um, hope you really got some takeaways from this we hope that it's perhaps cleared a few things up if it is feeling difficult we talked a lot about stress we talked a lot about coping mechanisms and coping with emotions we talked a lot about misinformation in the diet industry all or nothing thinking yeah all sorts of things that so many of us are dealing with on a day-to-day basis because they're so pervasive in this industry. Pick one of these strategies that we've spoken about today and try it out. Yeah. Just pick one. You don't have to jump in and do it all at once. (laughs) Again, we've packed a lot into this episode. Yeah. So just really don't make this an episode that you just listen to and then you go off and you don't do anything. Take one thing that we've spoken about and actually implement it and let us know how you go. Yeah, and if you do have any questions, guys, Feel free to reach out to us either on Instagram. If you follow us on YouTube, you know, we put out videos that are talking about similar topics, obviously with the visual aspect there. You can quite easily reach out to us there as well. We hope you really enjoyed today's episode and you got some takeaway points from it and there's some things that you can start to implement for yourself so that it doesn't have to feel hard for the rest of 2022. If things are going really tough for you at the moment and you are struggling, use some of these things that we've spoken about if you need a little bit of extra help feel free to reach out to us thank you so much for listening guys and we will both see you in the next episode